Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. Hey, that's not totally bad, just not good. The Cavs, I think, are a better team than a lot of teams you'll end up playing this season, but the Raptors lose a very winnable game, 105-102, to to the Cavs. A game, I think, marred by, well, maybe the biggest thing is that the Raptors, I think, defended really well in this game. I think that the Cavs defended really well in this game, and I think both teams have really good rosters to defend the other. The Cavs being really strong in the front court and, you know, really strong out of the backcourt as well, but weak on the wings, meaning that the Raptors can kind of bully and get to spots with their bigger wings. And the Cavs obviously having a mismatch where, you know, no matter who guarded Garland tonight, Garland probably would have had a really good night. Or if you switch like one of OG or Schroeder onto Garland, one of Max Struess or Donovan Mitchell is going to have a really good night. And the Raptors had a tough time with that. Scotty had a really tough time with Garland, obviously. I think Garland finished with, what, 10 of 16 from the field, 24 and 8, like, super strong game. And then when it comes to the Raptors facing that front court of the of the Cavs, in a game where the Raptors shoot 8 of 32 from downtown, the Cavs really get to load up in the paint and force the Raptors into jumpers, and they get to collapse in the paint. Like, you could tell in this game, right, there's very few straight-line drives. And even a lot of the post-up actions that the Raptors have been using led by Pascal Siakam to kind of worm their way into scoring in the paint, their points in the paint going up the more that Pascal touches the ball, they get to throw a lot of attention at those with this these bigger guys. And only later in the game was Pascal's post-offense a little bit more effective. Those getting that attention from the top, getting Jared Allen to step out of the shell a little bit at the bottom, and then finding Pirtle, who was sublime in this game 18 and 13 his best game of the year probably he helped the defense so much and he was a really great release valve on offense and the Raptors I think did a lot of things well enough in this game to win uh obviously you know Pascal shoots 41 percent Scotty shoots like 35.7 36 percent around there they're not getting a lot of the efficient offense or like at least palatable offensive numbers from their their big wing scorers OG starts out playing fantastic on offense, hitting a lot of shots. I think he was like two for three or two of four. He ends up at four of 12. Dennis comes on a little bit later in the game. Gary slowed down as the game went on too. So the Raptors really had to grind and kind of try and work their way into a bunch of these points. And it was tough, man. Like Precious is one for four. Malachi's one for six. Boucher, one for two, but not a good game for him. I think he struggled on the defensive end a ton. And yeah, like Otto played five minutes and Darko, I think, tried to get away with that Scotty plus bench unit again. I can look it up and see what the final numbers were for that that lineup. But that was really tough because it seemed like they had found success in quite a few recent games where they partner Scotty with OG and then the rest of the bench guys. Right. And that's something I'd like to see continue happening. That's something that. I think most people would like to see continue happening and that those are minutes that they've won in the past. And while Scotty, I think to this point has been the best Raptor so far this season, anchoring him with four bench players is really, really tough. And those minutes haven't really gone super well this year. Like, I mean, they had a stretch of five minutes. They lost it by four points. Maybe the most worrying thing is that the starters of Dennis, Scotty, OG, Pascal, and Jakob, they lose their 13 minutes by six. You know, they, like it's tough, man. You have a, the Jakob, Pascal, OG, Malachi, Scotty. They lose their minutes by five. The Raptors didn't have a bunch of good lineups out there. And the, the one good lineup that was basically helped save the game was almost 11 minutes of Jakob, Pascal, OG, Gary, and Dennis. 
and they scored 30 points in 11 minutes. They only allowed 12. They were fantastic. And this game, it does come down to lineups. I would have liked to see Darko continue playing that OG plus Scotty. Uh, Scotty, obviously, for his progression, you want every everybody is always caught up on Scotty's usage versus Pascal's usage. But then everybody is also asking, like, well, why does Scotty play with all these bench guys, right? Or why does Scotty do X or Y? And it's like one of those things you have to make your peace with is like, I don't think that Scotty's possessions are like coming at the expense of Pascal getting more. I think that there's possessions going everywhere. And I think there's room on this team for both Scotty and Pascal to be like 24% usage players and up. And if you want Scotty to have like see that big usage and that big bump in usage, these bench units are part and parcel of that. And Scotty has to figure out how to create offense with them as difficult as it is. He's the star of the future. They're going to put him in tough positions. Whether it's too early for that, I think some people have different ideas. Um, whether it's whether that's something that people want more from Scotty. Maybe that's asking a little bit too much. These are tough lineups to make work. I guess we'll see. It, it's been tough, but they didn't find a lot of success in that game. And the Scotty minutes overall were just tough. Um, they're like the bench. The bench minutes were tough. The Scotty minutes were tough. This was this was a tough one for Scotty. He got he got such a tough defensive matchup in this game. I don't I don't envy it. And like like I said at the start of the podcast, the Raptors are the Raptors are put in a really tough position just because of the matchups is like, well, who do you think now I would have put Pascal on Max Struess Pascal for the past, like three years has been a guy who has done uh, a pretty good job chasing shooters. Like there was, um, th there's games where you see him like guarding guys like Luke Kennard or guarding guys like Paul George who are constantly coming off of screens and stuff like that. And there are games where, he plays like up at the point of attack. We've seen a fair bit more of that this season where they put Scotty lower in the defense and Scotty is giving you all defense level impact there. I don't know what went into the decision to put Scotty on Garland. Um, I think any, whether it was Scotty on Garland or Pascal on Garland, whatever, I think both of them would have struggled. Garland is sick, man. He's an awesome player. And uh, yeah, I think like whether, whether Pascal might've done better, I'm not sure. Uh, it's pointless hypotheticals. And I know people won't like me saying like, oh, Pascal would be better defensively than Scotty. I'm not saying that. It's just, it, it was a tough matchup. It was tough from a matchup point of view um, for the Raptors. And there was no perfect answer for how they are going to guard the trio of Garland, Struess, and Mitchell. And obviously, you know, flowers to OG. He had Mitchell clamped all night, did a fantastic job on him. And through a bunch of different actions, like in isolation, um, ND says, I'm happy Garland went off after the discourse on Twitter tonight. I didn't see the discourse, but if people were saying Garland isn't good or something, then wow, because Garland is sick, dude. Garland is incredible. I love Garland's game. Um, Nesta says, any chance Cleveland moves Garland would love his rim attacking prowess on this club. If Cle who is why would they trade Garland? Like, I guess maybe they think having a small backcourt in Mitchell and Garland isn't tenable. If you can get Garland, Andy says people are saying no to a Garland-Siakam hypothetical. Um, Siakam's been one of my favorite players to cover in the NBA over the course of me actually doing this as a job. If you can get Garland back for Siakam, uh, first of all, Cleveland says no, but that's a home run for the Raptors. That's in, you have an all-star guard and maybe he won't be selected this year, but you have a relative impact all-star guard for an expiring guy in Siakam. Jeez, uh, Garland, if you could get him on the Raptors, I think he would be an incredible pairing with uh, with Pas uh, sorry uh, with Scotty. Um, I think you say that, like the the Raptors. <laughs> I mean, you you do that trade, and I like I've had great I've had great conversations with Pascal. I've enjoyed covering him. He's, I think, like such a pro. He's a great guy. He's a fantastic player. But if you could get Garland back for him, geez, I think the Raptors say yes immediately. And I think the Cavs would just never say yes to that. So if people on Twitter are having that one out, I got to say, uh, 
I, I, I like when people think Siakam is good. There's been a lot of really bad uh, um, discourse around Siakam so far this season, really harsh around him. So it's nice to see people valuing him, I guess. But you can't, man, if you could get Garland for Pascal, I mean, you got to hit the yes button on that. Um, that's maybe enough uh, hypothetical trade talk for 10 minutes into a reaction podcast, I'll say. Um, thanks for cluing me in, uh, chat, Andy, Nesta, all the rest. Um, let's stick with Pascal. Tough game in some respects, and in others, one of the only engines of the Raptors' half-court offense. Uh, basically, nobody could do anything. Schroeder was really passive for the first stretch of this game. Uh, Gary had a good start, cooled immensely. Obviously, they they play this they take a really long time running him off of two staggers at the top and they run Gary into the corner. And I don't like that play really uh, that last play. I, I would have liked to see them try and keep it above the break um, to get it going downhill down the middle to see if you can collapse the defense and then make a pass to the corner where somebody has maybe moved or slid rather than just having a guy like Gary sprinting to the corner because once it's there, the possession ends in the corner with him guarded by a seven-footer, and that's just the first jump shot, which he turned down. He ends up killing his dribble with a seven-footer on him. That's dead. That's completely dead at that point, point. and obviously we saw that it was. He stepped out because he was so immensely crowded. Um, good job by Allen to kind of stick and stay with him, but yeah, I didn't like that play very much. I know people have been like paying very close attention to Darko's ATOs, the blobs, the slobs, all that kind of stuff. And um, Nesta says, who do you think the play call was actually drawn for? Gary, 100%. Uh, they sat Dennis, like they weren't running a Dennis post-up. They were running Dennis there as the hub so that they could run their actions with, you know, who the Cavs deem dangerous players in Pascal and Scotty above the break so that maybe Gary could come open or like they did end up getting a switch where Gary could take advantage. Gary did have some nice off the dribble pulls today. Uh, that was a big ask of him to like send him sprinting into the corner on the opposite side, a la Kawhi, to hit a jumper over not Embiid, but uh, over Jared Allen. That's tough. Uh, so I think the play was 100% drawn for Gary. Um, it obviously didn't drop in. He stepped out. The shot didn't even go up, to be quite honest with you. Um, but yeah, back to back to Pascal, obviously. Pascal, uh, the four turnovers, the one shouldn't have been a turnover. It was the first turnover of the game where it touched one of the Cavs' hands and went out of bounds. Tough call. Uh, he got himself into a trouble a couple times, like picking up the dribble and maybe going a bit early, not doing the, the right pacing going downhill. But it's tough when you're looking all that size on the way down. And this would have been a game where Pascal has had good games against the Cavs in the past, where he really leans on that mid-range jumper. And that didn't really happen in this game. He didn't work out of the mid-range a ton. Neither did Scotty. And that's probably where, if the Raptors were going to have a better game offensively, both those guys needed to find their pacing to get into the middle and find a lot of comfort making shots out of the, let's say, 12 to 17-foot range. They didn't in this game. And that meant that the Raptors had a really tough half-court night because that's that's the response, right? The Cavs are going to pack the paint. They're going to force you to pass out two shooters. It ends up that the team shoots 8 of 32, 25%. The shooters aren't shooting well. So what is the counter? The counter isn't the rim, obviously. Um, that's being taken away. The counter is the mid-range. They didn't go to it often. They kept moving the ball on taking these long drives where they pick up their dribble early and the help side defenders get to track their steps and meet them at the rim. And you could see, you know, whether it's Scotty, Pascal, or OG, these guys are going to get, um, they're going to get blocked or they're going to get like these really, really tough, uh, really tough contests at the rim. It's a, it's a tough way. Like given the, given the talent on the roster, the, the Cavs are, they pose a really tough threat as far as like guarding them. And you felt that tonight. I think that their their points per possession in the half court was below 85. I think that uh, they put the Raptors in a lot of really difficult positions. And I think the Raptors did a really good job on the other end as well. I think the big difference in this game actually was probably the, the transition. 
Like when we look at the transition, the Raptors, 87.5 points per play in transition. They average around 140 over the course of the season. They were almost two times worse, half as potent in transition in this game as they often are. And they had turnovers in transition. They had missed shots in transition. And they got out and ran a decent amount of time. And they just weren't able to do a good job in this game, obviously. It's uh, it's tough. I think that the Cavs did a really good job of walling off the paint. And the Raptors, the tough thing, they're, everybody's running to the rim. When everybody runs to the rim and people are loading up in the paint, somebody has to slide out. Somebody has to go to the corner. Somebody has to be available for that shot. And nobody on the Raptors really wanted to do that. Every, the transition process was all crumpled. It was mushy. It was not good at all. Crowded. And they weren't able to provide. Like, the Raptors in the half court couldn't provide good offense. The Raptors in transition couldn't provide good offense. Their defense across the, the length of this game, I think, was good enough to win. Um, at least in my opinion, I thought it was definitely good enough to win. But offensively, that's where they lost this game. And, and I think it is directly related to, yes, you don't hit the threes. If they hit their threes at like, what, 33 34% in this game, they probably win the game. That's the tough aspect of it. Um, if, they, uh, <laughs> if they make a few more layups, whatever, but layups weren't really there for them in this game. Like they had open threes they missed. They had a lot of stuff break right for them defensively i think that the Cavs blew a bunch of bunnies especially considering their finishing talent i mean evan mobley he had a really tough time finishing over pascal and then the other help side rim protectors too and so the raptors had chances to get on run off of those missed bunnies they had chances you know to hit the open threes in front of them and you know pascal is like first and foremost on that Pascal 0 for 4 from 3. He's got to be at like 21 or 22% so far this season. That's uh, he he would probably say the same thing. Maybe he'll be asked about it after the game tonight. Obviously, I'm not on the road in Cleveland. Uh it's unacceptable, right? Uh Pascal has led a lot of great offense out of a lot of different looks so far this season. He's really found um he he's been their best half-court hub to start the year. And I think that the tough thing about all this is that you need those threes to start dropping. He's not been the best shooter out of the front court over the past four or five years. That much is obvious. But the thing is, the really tough thing, is that you could at least expect him to be hitting north of 30%. Um, you would hope that this is a guy who's going to end up going like, as he ages, you get more of those you know, skills, more skill progression. Your athleticism declines a little bit. You get more skill progression, right? Um, he has progressed his skills a bunch over his career, but the, the jumper stagnated. And if he doesn't turn this around, then I wouldn't blame people for thinking that the three-point shot is in decline. And having his three-point shot in decline is a really bad thing. I think it's way too early. It's just a, what, a 17-game sample uh, to say this at this point. But if it is, then that's really bad news. 21-22% um, is an acceptable these need to start dropping. And especially since, you know, he took a couple tough ones tonight, but he is open on a lot of these looks. You're an open shooter in the NBA. You've been sitting between like 34 and 36% over the last few years. You got to be able to hit these. That's that's the tough thing. Um, Pascal was still the Raptors' best offensive weapon in this game. Um, when they were scoring late, it was typically a consequence of Pascal drawing guys in that post where they helped from the top. Jared Allen shades from the bottom. You can find Jakob in space, right? You know, shaping to the drive or shaping to the post up, lingering in the paint. Big shout out to Makai. A paint lingering. He, It's a coin term by him. Uh, I think that that was their best offense late. And, and Dennis made a couple shots on, you know, the ATO and a couple broken plays. But it's uh, it was tough. The Raptors really struggled to make things happen on the offensive side of the floor. Defensively, they had a tough time with Garland. There was no escaping the toughness of that matchup. There's no escaping um, the way that the the Cavs roster is set. You know, Struess goes for 20 points. That's tough. He was going to get that against a lot of other teams. Maybe the toughest thing is that he had five assists and 11 boards on top of that, right? So the Raptors not being able to do a good enough job maybe of getting to the offensive glass in this game. And I know that sounds crazy when they have 17, but this is how they've beat 
the the Cavs in the past is just shellacking them on the offensive glass. And guys like maybe OG, he pulls in, what was it, five in this game, right? Pascal pulls in four. Yucca pulls in four. Scotty pulls in one. And part of that is because Scotty is playing in those transitional bench lineups where he has to um he has to work out of the top. And I saw a couple of people saying Scotty's in the corner. I don't think Scotty is in the corner typically. Uh that's that's not what I've noticed. But um I think the reason why his offensive rebounding in this game was lower is because he's typically playing above the break. And, you know, especially with these bench lineups, that's kind of tough. There's guys like Precious and Chris Boucher who are operating in those typically, I don't know, uh, big man adjacent spaces on the floor. And so Scotty's playing more like a guard in these uh, in these spots or across these minutes. And so he doesn't get to bang around and bash in the paint as often as we might want him to. That's a big part of his game. And uh, yeah, you would have liked to see Precious pull a couple down. If you're out there for like 13 minutes, you want offensive rebounds. You know what I mean? That's maybe one place where the Raptors, they could have pressed it even more that they didn't. But this is a big matchup game. The Raptors, I think they met the terms, like their winning conditions. They met quite a few of them defensively. They needed to make the Cavs miss these types of shots. They needed to make the Cavs take these types of shots. They did for the most part. And the Cavs shooting performance, it's just that's kind of the game changer. Like even the Cavs just going 32% from three is kind of what changes this, especially since the Raptors, what, how many free throws did the Raptors take? They took, let's see, let's poke around here. The Raptors took 29 free throws. They shot 69% on them. So still a very big problem, obviously. And the, the Cavs only took six. That's that's tough. Um, Sung Jin Woo says first 20 plus free throws lost since like 2001. Wild. That is wild. Um, the Raptors, they grinded and ground their way to the, the paint to get fouled on some of these possessions. They really worked their way and wormed their way inside. But it just it's tough, man. Um, a game like this is winnable. They left it. Uh, they left it on the jumpers as far as I'm concerned. And they could have stood to. You know, instead of some of those laying out layups that they're trying to get to the rim, instead of like trying to finish on that last step, could have played a little bit more controlled in the mid range, gone to that shot a little bit more often. I would have liked to see that from Scotty and Pascal more in this game, but that obviously wasn't the case. It's tough to trust it when you see so much, so many big bodies in the paint. And, uh, but I think that would have been a strength for them in this game, but that's not really how it shook out. It's a tough one, man. This is uh, this is NBA basketball. More so than ever, it's less about a dominant team, and it's more so about the chess match because there's so many different and unique uh, skill sets in the NBA now, and uh, you know it's created a lot of different matchups. And defenses are trying to do a lot of different things at once, and some guys specialize in being able to perform against you know this type of defense or this one. And the Raptors in this game didn't really have the release valve to beat what the Cavs were doing there. And the possible release valve that I've talked about is perhaps Scotty and Pascal making it work out of the mid-range to punish them. And neither of them really went to that in this game. Um, Pascal maybe a couple times late, but it wasn't really a focal point of how he was attacking. Um, you know, Jakob, you know, Nesta says tonight's chain performer was Jakob hands down. I think they only give it out in the wins, but certainly it was. I mentioned at the top that I thought this was Jakob's best game of the year. He was absolutely essential to what the Raptors were doing on defense. It, it paramount to what they were doing there. Um, good hands on the catch. He didn't like flub anything. He always shaped to the drive down low, shaped to the post up down low was pretty good at catching and maneuvering through a crowded paint without putting the ball down too. So there's no dig that can whap it away and finishing at the rim. Like he blew the one layup, but Pascal immediately went and got the offensive rebound and put it back because the, the Cavs gave, they cared so much about collapsing to Jakob since he had been finishing so well. Uh, they get that first initial lob to uh, Scotty to start the game where Scotty collects, puts it back up. Nice pass from Jakob, pretty dangerous, but, you like dangerous passes when you're trying to go downhill. It, it's an important facet of playmaking is being dangerous, trying to like be on the cutting edge of trying to create for your teammates. And then also they on uh, the horns chin punch that that play, they get to run the lob and uh, yeah, a little bit of Princeton offense and they get a lob for Pascal. Nice to see. 
and I think it was just like Malachi was the back screener. I was pretty surprised that the Cavs managed to mess up the coverage on that one, but they did. And so those are Jakob's two assists. He was really solid defensively. He was a great release valve to finish on the inside in a very crowded paint. And I, I thought it was a really impressive game from him. OG, probably, I'd have to say, like for this game, the second best player because Donovan Mitchell is a hell of an offensive player. And OG kind of turned the water off. That's extremely important in a game like this. But obviously, like Donovan was four of 17. He was 0 of 5 from three. He had four assists. He had no turnovers, but that's an indicator that he was like, he did not want to play make because he was crowded so often by OG. And he only had four assists. Like Donovan, this is a guy who walks out there and creates just 28 points, almost 29 points per game. He probably was averaging north of 29 before this game. He's like 29, 5 and 5. OG holds him to 4 of 17. That's immense. So OG deserves a lot of love for that performance too. And, you know, I wish his shooting would have carried over across the whole game. Some of those, he had the one drive that he got a reverse layup on early in the game. And I wish he would have been able to press his advantage on, he was guarded by a lot of different guys over this game, not all of them particularly good defenders. I wish he would have been able to press his advantage more. But still at the end of this game, you look and OG had such a profound effect on how the Cavs struggled offensively that um, even giving you anything on offense, like 11 points on 12 shots is OG still had a, had himself a pretty good game. That's the benefit of OG. He's tremendous. Um, he can, he can turn the water off for basically anyone in the league, but yeah, the Raptors lost this game um, with the bench units uh, and the, and they lost this game partially with their inability to win with the starters minutes. Um, that's really too bad. Because we are kind of waiting around. I think that the Raptors have proven a couple things that they can win against a lot of teams. Scotty, OG, plus bench minutes. That's really good. That means you can win minutes with Pascal off the floor, Shooter off the floor, and Jakob off the floor. And Pascal has been able to win minutes with, you know, OG off the floor and Scotty off the floor. That means all five guys, your five most important players, all those guys can get rest at some point throughout the game. And you're not going to just bleed minutes, bleed points. And when we look at this game, that's not what happened because they didn't play those lineups really. They had an, a, you know, a Barnes plus Siakam plus like bench type lineup thing that I didn't think went very well either. But it's just tough, man. Um, this to me is one of those games where you look at the lineups and you look at the matchup and the Raptors needed to hit more shots. They, they, I've, I'm reiterating myself at this point, like absolutely, completely and totally, but there's no other way to slice it. Sometimes it's a make or miss league. The Raptors, they played good defense. Um, the Raptors, when the Cavs threw zone at them, I think they moved the ball well. I think that they did a good job and they did a pretty good job getting themselves extra position possessions. They did a pretty good job getting to the line. They didn't do a good job hitting those shots at the line. They didn't do a good job hitting their open three-point shots. And at the end of this game, they lose by three. Why? Because they just didn't shoot it well enough. Um, almost everybody on the roster bears some responsibility for that performance. And some of the guys who shot the worst from the outside were completely essential to how the Raptors worked and succeeded on the inside. And that's the duality of it, man. That's, that's the tough aspect of the Raptors season is that they have talent. Like guys like, man... I don't like I don't want to include Scotty in this because he goes one for four tonight, but he's shooting the ball so well to start this year. And I've just been so impressed with Scotty to start this year. But like a quiet game offensively, right? Um, I know some people think this is all about like usage and think this is all about like, you know, how he's being used. But Scotty is in a game like this and in a, a few games, there's been possessions where other players would attack. And he's moving the ball on. And that's because Scotty is not fully a half-court dominating initiator yet. Um, a big start, a big reason for like the leap in points per game is that he's, his jump shot is way more potent. That's a huge deal. He's just hitting a way higher percentage on his threes. He's hitting a way higher percentage on his mid-range pull-up. And because he's scoring a higher per, um, percentage of his points in transition, easy buckets, layups out in transition, dominating. In a game like tonight where the Cavs did a really fantastic job walling up in transition, Scotty didn't get to eat there. 
the jumper wasn't really going either. And basically, you look at Pascal, you look at OG, you look at Scotty. None of the Raptors' wings had an easy avenue to get to the rim. It's tough. Scotty's been the best player this year. He's allowed to struggle. That's like Scotty. He's been so immense. He's made such like he's done such a hell of a job adapting to different coverages on Raptors Republic. The YouTube, you can go. What was the last video that's published before this? Me breaking down all the different coverages that Pat, I'm sorry, that Scotty has been beating in the pick and roll this season. He's done such a good job responding to de- different defensive coverages. He's done such a good job, you know, making his jumper significantly better, like less of a dip, quicker release, way more efficient, higher volume. He's been incredible. I am like very, uh, I, I hate giving Scotty like any type of criticism this early because no player is going to be perfect and no player is going to be like, hell yeah, every single game. Um, and a five for 14 game, like, could Scotty have taken over and won this game for the Raptors? Sure. Could he have helped dominate, you know, Scotty plus bench minutes and then they would have won the game? Sure. But any player can do anything at any point in time. Every player is going to miss things during a game. Any player is going to have tough stretches. Any player is going to be affected by the context around them. And Scotty had a tough game. Who, like, who, for the game? Sure. He could have helped, he could have performed better and, maybe they would have won. This is also applicable to other players, but Scotty has been the main driver of the Raptors start to the season, the successes we're seeing and the optimism for the future. So um, this isn't a referendum. Uh, It shouldn't be a referendum for the Raptors as a whole. It shouldn't be a referendum for any single player on the Raptors. I think they got a couple good performances. I think they didn't perform their jump shots very well in this game or their free throws. And I think that's why they lost. They did a lot of things right. They just didn't hit enough shots. And that's that's kind of what it is um, from Troller. I'm assuming you do a lot of trolling. So we'll see. We'll see if this is a troll comment. Dennis got to stop being used as much. He's an off-ball player and tanking Scotty's confidence by making him an off-ball player is malpractice. I think, so I've talked about this a decent amount. There are some aspects of... Schroeder getting a lot of the ball, the Raptors wanting to move through their offense quicker with Schroeder as a guard. Malachi and Schroeder both move the Raptors through their actions quicker than Pascal or Scotty do. They're small guards. They play with a ton of pace. You get to go to a secondary action in the play with like 11 seconds on the clock instead of like seven. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big difference to coaches. This is stuff that coaches love and focus on. I would like to see Schroeder with a little bit less of the ball, certainly. Um, in a game like tonight, I think Schroeder was pretty hands-off, to be quite honest with you. Like, Schroeder took some shots late. He finishes 5 for 11. Schroeder was pretty hands-off in this game. I didn't think he had much of the ball at all. The Raptors tried to initiate with their wings, I think, in this game. And Scotty gets a lot of minutes with Schroeder not playing anything with him. You know, Scotty gets a lot of minutes with Pascal not playing anything with him. And you can go look at the the statistics of, like, what does Scotty's shot profile look without Schroeder or Dennis or sorry, Schroeder or Pascal out there? Because I know a lot of people are focused on Scotty's development or really focused on like how other players are perceived to be harming that development, that kind of stuff. Um, Scotty has opportunities to kind of like hijack and take over the offense. Sometimes he lets those pass. He's not a selfish player. He's a selfless player. He's a playmaker first and foremost, and he has to, kind of adjust to his scoring role, what that looks like game in and game out for 82 games. Um, Scotty's still averaging what, like probably 18.8, almost 19 points per game. He's still having that, that points per game jump. He still has that assist jump. He still made huge strides on defense. Um, overall though, would I like to see Dennis with less of the ball? Yes. Would I like to see basically all of those Dennis touches not transfer to Pascal not transfer to OG, not transfer to Jakob, but transfer directly to Scotty. Sure. Um, but in tonight's game, I don't think that was the case. I think Dennis was very, very hands-off in this game. And uh, yeah, that's that's mostly how I feel about it. Scotty had his chances in this game. Um, he wasn't able to create against the Cavs. The Cavs are good defense, and they are strong in all the ways that really make it tough for a guy like Scotty. And even Scotty, like the 1-3 he hit, great job he had a pull-up three like a 
uh, step back pull up three right um scotty tried just when scotty's points don't line up with where people want them it's not always about other players taking away possessions sometimes you know scotty's a human being a player he can have not his best game and that doesn't mean that the the trolls on twitter who call him a bust and call him all this terrible stuff are right it just means everyone out there in the nba is entitled to a handful certainly of bad games or tough games throughout the year and uh, scotty didn't have his best tonight but that's that's not a big deal from toby adawusi if i'm screwing that up uh my apologies but toby realistically what percentage can you see siakam shooting from three because he's only ever been over 36 percent like once uh yeah let's just pull that up really quickly um Pascal, I think it would be nice if as he ages and develops, because he's still not even 30 yet. So if we go look at the three-point percentages, right? So we have uh, the 37% um, of 2018-19, mostly corner threes, all of it catch and shoot for the most part, right? Um, We have the leap year where he became an all-star, where he shot 0.359, so 36% basically, um, on six attempts per game. He also shot 34% on pull-ups that year. Um, Pull-ups mostly come above the break, so that was really impressive. A lot of people, as that was happening, were thinking, like, this is a really, really great indicator that he's making a huge leap as a jump shooter. That turned out to be a blip. Like, we're we're enough time removed from it now that that was certainly a blip. Uh, It would have been nice if that stuck around because if you can shoot, like, above 31% on pull-up threes, Um, you can be an engine for a pick and roll offense. Um, Teams will probably respect it if you can shoot that. And people typically shoot a lot better on catch and shoot than pull-ups. The next year, that was the the Tampa season where he was starting to dabble more and being like a post hub and was really made a big step, I think, as a playmaker and started to read doubles a lot better. He shot 0.297, like just shy of 30% tough. The next season, a little bit shy of 35%. The next last season, 0.325, so 32 point, or sorry, 32.4%. This season, it's got to be like 22% at this point. This is not a good three-point shooter at all. Um, 22% is just like, what the hell, on four attempts per game, and he took four tonight, he missed all of them. That's unpalatable. That's not doable. You can't survive that. That's just you're handing offense to a bad, bad play. Your expected points per possession is minuscule. You can't have that happen. But also, he is the same way that they need a bunch of they need a bunch of guys to shoot threes. Like Darko comes after every game. We need to keep keep shooting the open threes. We need to keep doing X and Y. You need to take threes in the flow of the offense so that teams respect you and make stuff work. And Pascal, if he was shooting like thirty two or thirty three percent this season, I. Like, and that's not even good, but I don't think people would be complaining because it would look a lot better. It's a shame that he's underperforming it to this degree. That's really, really tough. And I think Pascal has, the offense has gotten a lot better as they've shifted more possessions his way. Like the the offensive rating, be it in the half quarter overall, you can just see it trending up with his usage. Um, There's a huge correlation there, but also he has to do his part off ball. I think that he's done a good job of cutting. This wasn't a huge game for cutting. The The Cavs were packed in the paint. This was a game where everybody needs to hit the outside shots. Um, but in, in past games where teams are a little bit more spaced out and not packing the paint as much, I think he's scoring like two, maybe two baskets a game on cuts. Like being heady, making the right cut at the right time. That's been nice to see. He and Scotty supporting each other in that way. But as far as like just hitting shots off ball, yeah, Pascal, man, you just got to hit more. Them's the breaks. You know, Scotty made the leap. That's awesome. You know, maybe maybe Scotty doesn't settle at like 38 or 40 percent. But over the course of the season, Scotty's he's helping change how teams ID him. Some teams are responding to him like, hey, we don't really want him to shoot that three. That's a huge deal. And when they don't and he has time to like line it up and go after it, he's hitting a lot of them. So hell yeah, Scotty, for making that leap. Pascal needs to get back to like that respectable clip. And he just hasn't been 0 for 4 again tonight. And you can see it during these games when he hits a three. It, you can see the weight slide off his shoulders. He's like, and he reacts to it like, finally, I got this to go in. A lot of his misses aren't that close either. 
like Scotty will have games where he goes 0 for 4 and you'll see like two or three of them like hit every part of the rim and pop out. Pascal has been missing like gunshots off the rim. And people know I'm a huge supporter of Pascal. I think that he's a fantastic player, but the three-point shooting has just not been good enough. Um, I'm hoping that by the end of this season, it settles at like 32, 33% because 22, 23 is unacceptable. Pascal would say the same. I don't mean to be like going in on Pascal, but this has been a really weak aspect of his game so far this season. And, the, the, you know, those are the breaks. That's the, the tough aspect of this. Nesta says, what actual gains has the Noah board shown in the Raptors shooting? This was one of the last conversations I ever had with Nick Nurse, actually. I wrote this piece about the Noah board um, and kind of like who's teaching guys to shoot in the NBA and what that looks like. And, um, and Nick and I uh, talked about that. But the Noah board, I don't think there's any provable, uh, like, I don't know, any provable steps that have been made. Dylan Brooks said that he loved it when he was in for Team Canada and they were playing at the OVO Center and everything like that. Um, the Noah board, it's cool when I go to practice and I see that I'm like, Hey, this looks cool. This is neat. But as far as honestly, like what players reap from that, it might just be numbers on a board to them. Really. Um, they might not be taking that in. And even if they do take in that info, they might not be able to apply it because, you know, it can be kind of abstract and it's also like you get these numbers and it shows up on, you know, the board after you take a shot, it's like the angle it comes off, the angle it approaches the rim, the degree it misses left or right, the, how much it misses front and back, right? Like all these types of things. It's like sometimes you can see that and think, oh, I shot it long. I'll shoot it a little bit less. But when you're getting so much like data after every shot, it can kind of be like, okay, well, how do I input this into my physical movement? Like these are numbers. This is showing me like, okay, I see I missed the shot. What do I do on my end that I miss the shot or I like shoot the ball just like a smidge to the left? That's it's pretty abstract, right? It's like it's not necessarily it's not necessarily anything like that. Nesta says, is it just a PR boost from the FO flaunting their investment in tech and data analytics? Um, I don't know if he is now, but I'm pretty sure uh, like Nick Nurse was on the board at NOAA, right? So I think that was a huge motivator for the Raptors to get the NOAA board was Nick Nurse's was Nick Nurse was obviously very closely tied to that. Is it helping players? Is it like, I, I swear to God, like early on in the season, the NOAA board was just like a big banner that was saying like, live, laugh, love all the time. And yeah, is it like kind of showing off flaunting investment in tech and data analytics? I think certainly to some degree, I hope that players value it. Um, players probably don't hate it, but it's probably just like, you know, a little bit of, you know, like, hey, look at this. This is cool. And Nick Nurse being tied to that is obviously that helps. Um, uh, Mr. Lennon says, so Scotty is back down to earth. There's a lot of different things motivating. Uh, first of all, Scotty is getting less possessions, um, a little bit less. Like there was for a time he was sitting at like maybe 80, 81 or 82 touches a game. Then he was at like 78. I think now he's at maybe like 75 touches a game. He's still second on the Raptors in like touches per game. He gets 13 or 14 more a game than Pascal. He's still second on the Raptors in time of possession a game he's still second on the raptors in like dribbles per touch and time per touch dennis leads and everything obviously and that has been dwindling dwindling a little bit and scotty also has had less transition opportunities he was really really gassing in transition just he's one of the best transition players in the nba when he gets to play and lead in transition you're going to see his numbers go way up um, that's how, like, when it can seem like a slow Scotty game, all of a sudden he finds himself into big numbers is because he's able to supplement so much of what he does with transition. And then obviously going from shooting, you know, maybe like, what was it? 68, 67% on his mid range pull-ups and like 42, 43% from three to see one kind of drop, maybe closer to 50 and to see another one, maybe drop closer to like 37, 38, you're missing a little bit of that. Um, that shot making pop too. And 
Like that was always a factor of his big step. Like Scotty, what was his high water mark? Maybe like 22.9, 22.5 points per game this season. Some of that was always juiced a little bit by like transition and probably jump shots that weren't going to always go in at the same rate. Um, that was destined to come down a little bit. I still think the Raptors probably overcorrected. Like f- there's possessions that you look and you say, maybe this could have been Scotty's. I'm sure Scotty's biggest fans say that about a lot of possessions over the cor- course of the season. And like, that's, that's tough. I hope that Scotty keeps getting more possessions and keeps getting to try stuff. He's essential to what the Raptors are building. Obviously he's the main motivator of what the Raptors look like for the next, what, five years. If they can keep him, like he's going to sign his rookie scale max contract, presumably. And on top of that, you want to be able to sign him afterwards. So maybe it's like four to seven years. Maybe it's seven to 10, whatever it is. Scotty has a huge grip hold on what the Raptors look like going forward. They need to be intentional about what opportunities he's get he's getting. But also, it still applies that Scotty is a guy who historically has not initiated offense at the NBA level a ton and he has blips of like well he has moments of a season where that goes well he has games where that goes really well and he has other games where he struggles to initiate and to create advantages and stuff like that this is a developing player who hopefully has a shot at an all-star game this season who has been able to provide heaps and heaps of impact who there's gonna see we're gonna see ups and downs that's that's the natural thing with all that said, though, I think that Scotty deserves more possessions than he's been he's been getting over the past handful of games from Lennon again. But he's playing with the second unit. He should take shots and stop passing the ball to them bricklayers. <laughs> Part of this is true. Um, Scotty is a guy who wants to get other players involved a whole bunch. He is a selfless player. He does want to play the right way. Um, it wouldn't hurt. Like he's trying to facilitate good offense with players who don't typically represent a ton of high-level offense or high-level offensive skill sets for the NBA. That's a lot of these lineups he's being marched out with. And Scotty in these lineups is probably the best offensive player, but he's still out there to kind of facilitate and he wants to get other guys involved. And we've seen it work like twice so far this season. We've maybe seen that lineup or a mixture of this type of lineup like maybe 12 or 13 times this season. Um, Darko really wants it to work, obviously. It hasn't. Scotty's had it work like twice. And his shot making is paramount to making those things work. He wants to be a facilitator. He wants to get everyone involved. And he wants like this egalitarian situation for those to work. And I get that. But the offensive talent isn't uh, good enough. And I do think that it behooves Scotty to be like a little bit more uh, aggressive and a little bit more selfish in those lineups for sure, because that's why he's out there. Um, to some degree, Scotty's out there too, with his gravity and his playmaking and his overall ability to help be the rising tide that lifts all boats, right? That other people will benefit from him, but he has to establish himself with those lineups as a guy who can come out and score the ball. And that's kind of, uh, that's the that's the tough aspect of it. It's It's a tough game. The, the guys on the Cavs, the guys on all the other NBA teams, they want to stop Scotty and the bench a ton. They want to stop the Raptors a ton. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't go that well. Uh, Scotty has already shown enough this season to start that people should be overjoyed. Um, it's tough to do like everyone's on trial every game. You know, if there's a game where Scotty has less usage, Maybe that's not an indicator of a trend of like, oh, no, if there's a game where he has more, it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, it's back. It's, you know, maybe like five game increments is healthy because you look at like Scotty's past five games. He's had less. People should want him to have more. Good. Maybe over the next five games, he'll have more. And you say, okay, better stretch. Maybe that can build to 10 games or something like that. But nobody on the Raptors so far this season has had like, a consistent five game stretch or maybe like, sorry, a consistent 10 game stretch of similar usage and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's tough. Saturn days says, I think we should be happy with this game. We basically beat the Cavs if we had shot normal free throws. I, yeah, this is kind of what I've been saying. Like the Raptors did a lot of the right things. They just needed to hit a couple more threes. Um, Lennon says you can't be a franchise player and not be selfish. Sometimes 
there's a lot of franchise players that were asked that were seen as like not having it or not being selfish enough or all that kind of stuff. Franchise players, such like a complicated, tough thing. Like how many franchise players are they in the, there in the NBA? If you're an all-star, you're not a franchise player. If you're an all NBA player, you're maybe not even necessarily, uh, you know, a franchise player. If there are some guys who won't even give out the, the name, like, franchise player to people who are like second team all nba it's you know some people whittle it down to like a franchise player is only someone who can win a finals mvp right like it's tough um basically all you want from scotty right now is to be excellent and scotty has been excellent for a lot of games this season and he's just trying to carve his way to being like a majorly productive nba player and as he gets different responses he'll figure out more of his strengths um, but like that being said, he needs to be a little bit more selfish, certainly. And, you know, when Scotty has a low shot total, not all of that is a consequence of like other guys having the ball. Some of that is Scotty passing up the ball. You know, the two things can exist. I know that's not what you're saying, Lennon, of course, but there's definitely conversations that people have. Um, Phoenix plays. E says, you think Scotty will ever hit Kyle level of greatness? Um, I think that Scotty will give all NBA impact for like years at a time. Whether whether that's like the vogue, you know, underrated Kyle Lowry type of all NBA impact that's, you know, Kyle always did. I don't know. Scotty's a big personality. He's a big wing. He's liked around the NBA a ton. I think there he'll always have more cachet than Kyle did. But as far as like the impact, Kyle's going to the Hall of Fame. If Scotty can do that, he's a Hall of Famer. And I know a lot of people probably think like pencil him in or maybe they think like write it in ink. Scotty's going. I hope Scotty makes the Hall of Fame. That would be awesome. But it's it's tough to be Kyle level of greatness. And Kyle had such a like a strange, unique career as far as how he came on with the Raptors. Like his second stint was his best. And then his third was somehow incredible. Like he was a 30 plus small guard who was just incredible you know um nesta says can't wait to see what scotty involves into come his age 28 season book it he is the next american mvp so if he's winning does that mean there's not an american mvp for six years america's waiting a long time uh international ball is uh man the international hoopers they they have a grip hold on them man they they've been playing um fantastic from 1800 lunatic how long until i stop the until you being me scotty has been the best player this season talk he's been back to last year scotty on offense the last six or so games siakam is just better right now so this is like an interesting conversation uh i think scotty has been the raptors best player so far this season i don't think scotty has been the raptors best offensive player i think that pascal's offense his, his work in the half court is more dependable than Scotty as a creator. I think Pascal, it's easier for Pascal to create looks for his teammates in the half court than it is for Scotty. I think tough defensive context, Pascal from first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter has been more dependable. That being said, Scotty has been able to provide a ton of offense and Scotty's just been flat out way better on defense. So like, I know some people have been really hard on Pascal's defense. I wouldn't argue that Pascal's been a bad defender. I think Pascal this season has been anywhere from like neutral to slightly above average. And he's had a couple bad games. I think defense matters a lot. And Scotty isn't as good defensively as like the best player per EPM defensively. But Scotty, I think, has been tremendous defensively. And it's half the game. I think that, um, well, Phoenix plays, he says, Scotty is atrocious at the point of attack. He doesn't play point of attack very often. And I know you're going to bring up the Garland stuff. I don't want to reiterate it because I spent like maybe like 10 minutes on it at the start of the podcast, I guess. But I, I, I do think Scotty has been the Raptors best player so far this season, both sides of the ball um, considered. But yeah, like uh, Scotty, Scotty hasn't been as good offensively as Pascal. Pascal is able to lift units like if maybe if pascal had the pascal plus bench units you might you'd probably end up with a better offensive process than scotty plus bench units but as far as like defense scotty scotty has been much better than pascal and so i think the holistic look at both sides of the floor scotty's been the best that could change 
um, it's a bigger deal if Scotty leapfrogs Pascal as the best player on the team because Pascal is really good. I know some people are pretty harsh on him, but he's a very good player. If you have a better season than Pascal, you're probably an all-star. And Scotty has kind of been around all-star level this season. So um, I, I Scotty's season so far, I'm elated with it. And Pascal's still a more dependable offensive hub, certainly. But he's like 29. He'll be 30 in a few months. And uh, yeah, here's a here's a really good point from Toby. Um, how many 6'10", 230-pound guys are good at the point of attack? It's uh, That's true. Like very few. Paul George was like the last guy who did it, maybe. Um, and Pascal for a couple years, although Pascal wasn't 230, I think. He was maybe more like 220. And he's 6'9", not 6'10", I think. But Pascal isn't that level of defender anymore. Bam Adebayo is another good point. Yep. Um, it's Scotty was not put in a position to succeed defensively tonight. And he didn't. But uh, if they had put anyone else there, they were going to struggle somewhere. They would have struggled on Struess if they moved Schroeder and put, like, if you ask me, the best thing would have probably been, like, Pascal on Struess, Schroeder on Garland, OG on Donovan. That's probably what have I what I would have run with, and I would have put Scotty on Mobley. I think I think that would have been worthwhile. Pascal did a good job on Mobley tonight, like a really good job. Um, and I think Scotty could have done the same. And Pascal is a little bit slinkier on defense. I think he could have done a good job chasing Struce around. But th- these are all hypotheticals, you know. It, it's it's tough. Um, from YG Seven, does a Pascal trade make us worse than the tenth seed in the East or the eleventh seed in the East? Um, it could be. Pascal is extremely important to what the Raptors do um, offensively. Like he carries so much of what they do offensively. Uh, he's very important. Now, maybe there's a version of a trade coming back in that gets a lot of shooters and you get to play like this really fantastic brand of like motion offense that maybe mimics something that the Kings do where there's you have like a hub and you have this maybe, I don't know, it, it's tough. I think that the Raptors would be worse if they traded Pascal certainly they're like the 10th seed now aren't they um it's tough yeah from i think it was yeah lennon says scotty's not the best player if darko runs the offense through pascal we would win more uh the raptors have been winning more and been having better offensive process over these past however many games since pascal's usage started going up i would say at this point that the offense a, a healthy chunk of it is run through pascal and the returns have been really good and I still think that Scotty's been the best player so far this season. I think it's good. Like, I think everyone is really eager to do like Scotty versus Pascal. And I think Scotty and Pascal would both like bristle at that. Be like, why would you be putting teammates against one another, right? These guys want the other person to succeed. These guys want the other person to like, when Scotty and Pascal are swapping out who gets a possession or who does what, they're looking at the other guy and saying, I hope this goes really well. And they're happy at times during the game to be like, okay, you like it's you, you got to carry this stretch. They want that. These guys want to win. You know, I think there's, there's definitely some thinking out there that when I see people like critique the Raptors, the approach or who gets touches or whatever, like, I think some people just want Scotty to get numbers. And like, I do, I do see that it's very prevalent is like, they don't care what the Raptors are as a whole. It's just like, let Scotty score 20 points per game so I can talk about it on Twitter. You know, that's, that's kind of like, <laughs> that's kind of like the thing. I get that. And that's obviously not as prevalent for Pascal because Pascal isn't nearly as popular as Scotty. But if you're somebody who just wants Pascal to get numbers, then that's also wrong. I understand, you know, fandom has changed because with social media, more people get to like model their whole social profile around just liking a player and talking about a player and excuse my French shit talking other players who get compared to your favorite player and being able to argue and dunk on people about your favorite player and all this kind of stuff. That's completely your thing though. The players don't give a shit about that. The players want their teammates to be good and the players want to win. And Scotty and Siakam, they want good things for each other. That's all I'll say. There's definitely... Discourse has changed with social media um, because if you were just at the bar or whatever, 
watching with a group of people in like 2006 or something and you everybody was like wearing the jerseys and watching the game and you were like i don't care if they win or lose i just want the guy like to score 20 points everyone would be like what the hell are you talking about you know so it's definitely changed a lot fandom um and will continue to change but i don't know i feel like i'm going off on a tangent of some degree all that said yes we've discussed a lot of things but i think scotty's been the best player for the raptors this season I am excited at the idea of Scotty and Siakam winning minutes together, continuing to succeed together until that partnership is changed via trade or free agency or whatever. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things happening, but I'm going to end the podcast here. I think we've been talking for an hour, probably only like 30 minutes of this was about the game. Thank you to everybody for posing interesting questions. Make sure to like the video, right? It's free. You're right there. Just click the like button. It'll suggest it to other people. And that's good. You guys probably like me. You like how I talk about the game. That's an easy way to support. My fingers are crossed. Thank you for tuning in. People in chat, you're always, you know, insightful, engaging. And, you know, it, it makes it way easier for me to talk about the game, to have, you know, stuff to bounce off of you guys. So thank you for hopping in. All the people, thank you. The people listening on their walk the following morning or doing whatever everything at night uh hell yeah fans we all want the same thing we all want good things let's go raptors okay whether you got into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye we'll see ya <laughs>